Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. And welcome back to episode 37 of the Harder Way Podcast. Wow. You know, we have some really amazing conversations. We go in depth about theology and about the world and about patterns and trends and things when we're talking home. It is never boring. And No, um, car rides especially. <laughs> car rides especially. And... I'm really excited about this conversation. I think it's something we haven't really discussed before, and it's very, very uh, applicable to American Christians in this moment that we are in. Mm-hmm. And there's a very clear tie-in with the persecuted church that oh, sure. we're gonna we're gonna get to in a little bit. But this conversation uh, we had basically a couple of days ago, and afterwards we both said we have to do a podcast about oh, this yeah. because there's this is this is good stuff. So. Really, it started by looking at the American church, um, generally kind of evangelicalism, but also just as a whole, and seeing this really disturbing pattern that there seem to be two sides right now in evangelicalism, and I think both are very bad and really just not great. So the first side we have is this side that is lawless, meaning they've taken this idea of Christian freedom and Christian liberty to the absolute extreme, meaning that, you know, they say, I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want, watch whatever I want, you know, live with whomever I want, you know, have these inappropriate relationships with whomever I want, anything like that. You know, I can incorporate witchcraft and new age into my Christianity and it's fine. That's could, a scary thing. I can create my of. own custom blend of Christianity. Mm, yeah, yeah. And you know, they, the, the, uh, the the technical term for this lawlessness is antinomianism. Mm, Anti means against, and namas is the Greek word for law. So antinomianism is lawlessness, lawlessness. basically, or against law. Yeah, but we'll try to say lawless and not antinomian. Just so it doesn't confuse anybody. We just want you to know we know some big words. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have that side where people are just going to that extreme where they look exactly like the world despite claiming to be christians and maybe you know maybe right. they are maybe they aren't i don't know but saying they're christian going to church and then living lives that are so worldly now on the extreme opposite end we have people that are extremely legalistic and we mm-hmm. might use the term religious interchangeably with that but when we say religious in the context of this podcast what we mean is Extremely legalistic. legalistic. And on the far end. So what legalism is when you are looking to have a whole series of rules and then you are basically saying if you don't follow all of the rules exactly perfectly and do all the rules, you're not in the kingdom. You're not a Christian. Basically adding to your salvation. Mm -hmm. Saying, okay, grace and by grace through faith isn't enough. 
I have to do these extra things in order to make sure that I'm saved. And even if you don't think that um, extra things are required for salvation, a legalistic person might be something, one that says all those extra things are required for righteous living or being a, or, or acting like a Christian once you're in the kingdom. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so the legalistic side, I think that we've seen that in many ways coming as a response to this lawlessness, that there are people who have seen all of these Christians who are acting like the world, going to church services and, and, you know, hearing songs that sound like worldly songs, hearing sermons that sound like TED Talks and saying, we need some holiness, we need some reverence. And here's the problem. Instead of going to Jesus in those moments, what they've done is they've gone to man and said, Let's come up with some rules that are going to help us stay away from this worldliness. Right. So your concept here is that whether you're on the extreme, we'll call it the left end, not being political, but the left end, uh, which is the lawless end, mm -hmm. or you're on the extreme right uh, side, again, not being political, just the extreme right side, which is the legalistic end or the religious end, either one is the result of looking to man. And I would be more specific, which we discussed before, that when you look to yourself as the law, you look to yourself as the lawgiver, the rule maker, that's when you wind up in that antinomian lawlessness kind of a place. When you look to your when you look to others uh as the lawgivers, other men uh, or women, um that's when you wind up in that legalistic place. Yes, absolutely. And so the problem is the same on both sides, which is that you're not looking to Jesus as the foundation of your faith and your life. You're not rooting your identity in him and rooting your identity in scripture. And when we're looking at the persecuted church, and we've we've talked about this concept, I would say probably in every single episode, uh, if not 95% of the episodes, the issue in its most bare bones is that Lawlessness and legalism both come out of neglecting to do something that the persecuted church is really great at doing. Ooh, what is that? Abiding in Christ. Oh, very good. That's right. Abiding in Christ. That we, we see from the persecuted church the consistency in which they abide in Christ, what that looks like. We have a whole uh, series that we did that was based on your doctoral research where we looked at the different ways they uh, the persecuted Christians abide in Christ um, through, through trusting in God's providence, through engaging with the word, through prayer and worship, through Christian community, um, all those different things, having a biblical idea of suffering. And we know that the reason that our persecuted brothers and sisters are able to live the way they do, to have the hope they do, to keep going, that only comes as a result of abiding in Christ. And here in the U.S., we're seeing Christians that are not abiding in Christ, and that's resulting either in lawlessness or legalism. Well, and that makes sense. That's a logical response because... Our, you know, being a person of faith, following this Jesus, following a God whom you really can't see, but you can only experience, mm -hmm. is challenging and it's scary. Because when we let go and we let God, as they say, or when we, re when we really let God, I don't say, I shouldn't say let, when we acknowledge God as rightful king. Yes. yes. And ourselves as, 
as happy stewards, not owners of anything, but stewards of what God gives us, when we make that acknowledgement, that's a very scary place. Because now I'm really living at the mercy of God. Now I'm like... Fully dependent upon Him. Why am I in this church that's kind of dysfunctional and messed up? Well, God's got you there. And you're a steward, so don't complain. Go do your work. Oh, why am I not wealthy? Well, God's got you here. You're a steward. Go do what God use what God has given to you as a good steward and quit complaining. And so, you know, why am I here or there? Why did I why did I want to go be a missionary in Thailand and the, and the Lord sent me to Zimbabwe? Well, you know, it's the mm-hmm. same answer, right? And when we experience that as a steward, we can say, "Well, God's in control. I'm not in control. He I'm just got to steward what God sent me to do and then steward the situation and everything that I'm right with God and everything's right in the world." But that's a scary place to be. So it's much easier for me to say, you know, I'm going to acknowledge Jesus, but I'm going to I'm going to make up my own rules as I go along. I'm going to do things the way I do. I'm going to do what feels right to me. I'm going to do what I think is right. Or on the other end, it's easy to say, well, I, rather than being all intimate with Jesus and having this close connection and being, you know, uh, subject to his personal leadership, I think what I'm going to do instead is I'm just going to I'm going to get all these rules because based primarily on pride, I want to be in control, and and so the way I can get control, it's we're on a whole other subject. I'll come back to control. We'll come back to control in a minute. Okay, <laughs> but but you know when we're we're on that other end, it's really the same kind of a thing. It's I don't want to be close to God, mm. and so when you're lawless, or when you're legalistic. The big commonality they have is in both places, you're not close to God. Mm. And that's a, that's a sad place to be. And it's a place that if you stay in that place, if and when uh, restriction increases uh, in the United States, you're not going to be ready. No. The lawless Christians and the legalistic Christians, neither side is going to be ready no. for increasing restriction and persecution in the United States because they're not abiding in Christ. And mm-hmm. that's the only way to prepare for restriction and persecution right. is abiding in Christ. You know, I think about uh, one of my favorite verses in Galatians. I would say Galatians is a little bit of an underrated book in the New Testament. Okay. I, it sounds weird, but I don't. people don't talk about it as much, I feel like. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe maybe at your church everyone's talking about Galatians, but for me, I feel it's a slightly underrated. But this whole situation reminds me of uh, the verse in Galatians. It's Galatians 5.13, which basically says, Brothers, you have been called to freedom, but use not your freedom as an occasion to the flesh, but in love serve one another. And I think that that verse really represents that tension of as Christians, we have been given freedom and liberty in Christ. But as Christians, we have also been called to the highest commandment to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And this means that we shouldn't be lawless, but we also shouldn't be legalistic. And I, you know, and you're right. And I think that, um, our temptation as humans, we look at that and we and we see one end there's lawlessness, and the other end there's um, legalism. legalism. Now, the I think the first place we go wrong is we think of these as opposite ends. Mm, you know, yes, and whether yes. we're talking about the extreme left versus the extreme light right in politics, or we're talking about extreme um, uh, 
lawlessness versus extreme religion or extreme legalism in Christianity, uh, they both are not straight lines. They are no. circles. So, which means that the farther you go to the right, or the farther you go towards the left, or the farther you go towards lawlessness, or the farther you go towards legalism, the closer you actually get to that other side. Yeah. So lawlessness and legalism have more are more similar yes. than they are dissimilar. They are dissimilar in their methodology, in the same way that like Marxism and fascism are different in their methodology, but they're very similar in their goals mm -hmm. and in ideology their heart attitude, their, ideolo yeah, their ideology. Yeah, they're very similar. Even though they represent the, you would say, the extreme left and the extreme right. So what ways, <laughs> so, so, so before we talk about how to find the, the, uh, the right place to be, in what ways do you think that the, the left and the right end of this thing are similar? Well, we talked about the first important similarity, which is the fact that when you're on the extreme end of, of uh, lawlessness or the extreme end of legalism, you're not abiding in Christ and you're not having that close personal relationship with him. Right. I think the other huge similarity, and the people who are on the legalistic side would just come at me with a knife for saying this, but they need to hear this. The similarity between lawlessness and legalism that I think is the biggest and most critical outside of the relationship with Jesus aspect is a low view of scripture. Ooh. A low view Ooh. of scripture. The lawless side, it makes sense to say they have a low view of scripture because you're doing all of these things that scripture very clearly says not to do right you know you're sexually immoral you're engaged in witchcraft you're you right. know lying cheating all these things but the legalists are also doing things that scripture says explicitly not to do like what well we just talked about it the fact that uh in the bible we are told that we have freedom in christ we are told that we cannot add to our salvation that is not of our own works lest none should boast that it's by grace through faith and yet the legalist is very quick to add on and so i guess that would be the difference is the lawless says i need to take these things out of scripture and the legalist says, I need to add things, these things to scripture, but they're both saying scripture can be altered. Scripture is not the purely authoritative word of God that cannot be added to, changed, taken away from, that it stands the same yesterday, today, forever. Right. Now, we did a, we did a podcast a ways back about Bible translations. And so we're not talking about translations. But if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go back and, and scroll back to one of our earlier podcasts. And we did we discussed all this, uh, the translation issues. But you're right, adding to the word. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to add this or to, to your word. <laughs> is that blasphemy? No, because what I say. a human, a human, a human's words can be added to. Okay. God's cannot. So, um, I think one of the things that they have in, 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 in did have in common is that they both are afraid. The oh, person on the left go. is afraid that they are going to lose control. Uh, they're afraid that they are going to lose freedom. They're afraid that they're going to lose their autonomy, if you will. Mm -hmm. The person on the 
the far right end, on the legalistic end, they're afraid that they're going to mess up. They're afraid that they are going to, uh, some thing that they've imagined is uh, required of them that they're going to do wrong. Uh, what other fears do you think they might have? Well, I would say that many of them might be afraid of losing their salvation. Many of them might be afraid of appearing to be sinful. Uh-huh. Right? I think that's a big one. I think that fear of man, I think, actually comes in to play in both legalism and lawlessness. Right. Because the lawless person is afraid of being seen as religious, legalistic, prudish, right? Intolerant. And the, and the religious person is afraid of being viewed as, you know, lawless, afraid of being viewed as, you know, wishy-washy in their faith or new age or, you know, anything like that. But they're both afraid of what man thinks. And when we're afraid, we, there was a lady that was talking here in here uh, where we live and we had some fires and there were some folks that were burned out. And this lady, a very intelligent woman, um, she said uh, she, when they evacuated, she was so freaked out, she grabbed a box of yarn, like a basket full of yarn, as she was evacuated from her house. That's all she could think to grab. No pictures, not the birth not, certificates. Nothing. Just a box bas- of yarn. Box, box of yarn. And those kinds of stories repeat a lot. And it's because people haven't rehearsed what they're going to do, right? Mm. And so that's why we always tell people, confront your fears now Yep. and, by, and choose the harder way. So that when you are forced to choose, when you are forced to confront your fears, you're not going to just grab a box of yarn and run out the door and be like, wait a minute, I forgot my car keys and my ID. And, but what I wanted to say was, I think that when, when these two opposite ends, what they have in common is the fear and then the response to fear, which is to take control. There you go. Right? And if you go back to... control is the action side of fear. Right. Right, control is the action side of fear, and so if we go back to the garden, just outside of, just at the end of the, uh, just outside of the garden with Cain and Abel, you have two people. You have Cain and Abel. Cain wants to do things man's way. Abel wants to do things God's way, and that is the the dynamic that goes all the way through the Bible. That is the that is the battle that's always going on. Will you choose God's way, or will you choose man's way? And what we're trying to share with with the American church is God's way. The way of faith, not the way of fear. Faith over fear. Not the way of of stewarding something you don't own rather than trying to control something you've deleted, deluded yourself into thinking you do own. And the result of this, or and, and I said I or I should say at the core of this is intimacy, like you said, abiding, abiding in, Christ. in Christ. So what we need, if we think of this as a circle, what we need is not a midpoint. We draw a line from one side to the other, and we you know we have a diameter. We don't want to do that because then that's just compromising between the two sides, right? And we don't want to like straighten the line out and, and then try to find a midpoint that way. You know, at zero degrees, where the other two are like you know at, at one hundred and seventy nine degrees and one hundred and eighty one degrees. If you're thinking of a compass, we don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to go up. We want to, to the find higher the middle. higher middle. Because the higher middle is a place that there is freedom. There's a place where there is religion. But those things are are lower than our intimacy with the Lord. Hmm. 
So we have, and so it's a place where we don't have to walk in fear. It's a place where we don't, where we give up the temptation to take control. It's a place where we have tremendous intimacy with the Lord. And that's where real freedom is. And I think that that's a really powerful thought. And I can see this so clearly in the way that persecuted Christians live. Right. Because if you were to look at the lives of persecuted Christians, I would dare to say that just on the outside, and stay with me on this, people, that just on the outside, there might be people whose natural assumption would be that persecuted that the persecuted Christians are legalistic based on things they see just on the outside. They right. say, oh, they're not swearing. Oh, they're not gambling. Oh, they're not being involved in sexual immorality. And their whole life you know, is about... Their whole life is surrounded around, you know, Jesus and his, his people and his purpose. You know, they base their entire life on scripture. They take scripture literally. And people might see those actions and say, oh, they must be legalistic. But here's the difference. Those actions, those behaviors, those ideas, those didn't come first. What came first was the relationship with Christ, the consistency of abiding in him and the holiness and the transformation and the fruits of the spirit came as a result, came as a response. Because with legalism, a lot of times the rules come first, Mm -hmm. the behaviors come first and the things are about the action. They're about the behaviors. They're about the doing. Whereas Christianity is a, you know, I will say religion because in the, in the truest sense of the word Christianity is a religion. Mm -hmm. Um, Christianity is a religion based upon principles. Right? Because we look at the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, and there's a list of rules and laws. Right. And, and when you have rules, the first thing a man does, a human being does, is try to find a way to get around the rule. Mm-hmm. So now I can, have a, I can have my cake and eat it too, because I can obey the rule and then technically disobey the rule. So still do what you want to do. I, so I can basically be lawful and lawless simultaneously and deceive myself into thinking that I'm right with God and because, I'm right with myself. Because lawlessness and legalism are both coming from the same heart posture, which is what this whole podcast has been about. Exactly. That's how you can do both at the same time. But, Hashtag read Romans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But back back to the principle, what's the difference between a law, a law and a principle? Well, a principle is what is ultimately behind a law because a principle really is a matter of the heart, a matter of ethics. And it means that a principle can be adapted to any and every situation. You, you can get around a law, but you can't get around a principle. Right. That makes sense. And so, you know, I said that Christianity is a religion of principles and talked about how in the old covenant, uh, it was about laws right. and there were, were laws that were listed out. But in the new covenant, we're only given two laws and these laws are laws of principle. What I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, which is loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Now that's a principle, which means that in every situation that you're in, 
those are going to apply. There's never a situation where you're going to be able to weasel your way out of that or get around it or, well, I, t I technically was loving God in this situation. Or I was technically loving my, my neighbor as myself. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. Exactly. Exactly. And so with Christianity being a religion of principles... This really means then that we're actually held to a higher standard. And so, you know, people who are more legalistic, they think that they're holding themselves to a higher standard by adding these rules. Right. And the people who are lawless, they think that they're living out, you know, the, the principle of loving God and loving your neighbor because they've made those principles the rule and just have found their ways to get around it, Right. But it's really choosing to view loving God and loving your neighbor as really the heart of everything. And it's about viewing those things from a biblical perspective because, unfortunately, um, the phrase, love God, love others, love God, love your neighbor, has really been co-opted by progressive Christianity and that makes me really mad because, you know, that's just going against what the Bible says. But yeah, and that progressive Christianity, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge because it's really not Christianity as much as it's moralistic theistic deism or therapy, excuse me, moralistic therapeutic deism, you know, which is just that, um, well, we, we, uh, we believe that we should be moral people. And uh, here's some ways to help you be more moral. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, there's a God who exists. I mean, that's kind of yeah. Where and our morals are really based around society's views. Mm -hmm. And that can only work in a in a church that's not being actively, intensely persecuted. Because right. going back to the persecuted church, the reason why I believe that they're not legalistic or completely uh, lawless is because. They they have seen man has failed them. They fail. They don't have the power to help themselves. Their only recourse is to appeal to the Lord. So when we share this with you, we're not saying, "Hey, be like them because they're so awesome." We're saying, "Hey, the the Christians that survived or are surviving persecution and didn't just quit or run away, those Christians. This is what happened. Um, they realized there's no other recourse. I gotta look to God. I have to look to the Lord. I have to find the higher middle. And they did that." And we see, oh, they did that and that worked. So that's what we should do. Not because they're so great, but because God is so great. Because God is so great. And we just learn from their mistakes. You know, I like to say that, you know, um, good men uh, do great things, but great things stand on the shoulders of good men. Or great men stand on the shoulders of good men. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, the persecuted church, they're good men. We need to stand on their shoulders. We need to do great things. And we, we, we have the benefit of their experience and their suffering mm. to teach us. And we're fools if we don't learn from it. Yes, absolutely. By the way, if you, uh, if you are getting something out of this podcast, and we don't really advertise or anything, so tell your friends about the Hardaway podcast and tell them to listen. So share, don't just keep this all to yourself. Share it. 
Uh, unless you're a pastor and you want to pretend like this is your original content and preach it on Sunday morning, we will not object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the message needs to get out there. So Yeah, and we also do a courier update, which we uh, bring stories of the persecuted church and wisdom from the persecuted church and writing comes right to your door. Nationsforjc.com, nations with the number four, jc.com. Nations for the number four, the letter J, the letter C at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah, sorry, it's not a website anymore. <laughs> um, and we'll... Uh, email us and we'll get you uh, get you signed up, and uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be good stuff for you. Uh, if you enjoy the type of content that we speak about here on the podcast, you will definitely get a lot out of the career update because that's really where you're going to get more specifics about things that are currently going on yeah. in the persecuted church. Information about um, kind of more active in the field stuff that we do try to keep off of the internet. Yeah, because we're talking to people on the ground and we don't want yeah. to compromise, you know, uh, you know, we, our intel uh, mm -hmm. so or, or compromise them, put them in danger. So, so the courier update is really stuff that you can't get anywhere. But I would say really in summation of, of all the things that we've talked about and looking at uh, – the, church, the persecuted church in comparison to the church in America and these issues of, of lawlessness and legalism, the way that I would kind of sum this up would be the most important thing that you can do in your life is to abide in Christ. And if you are abiding in him, you are going to be transformed. You are going to be a new creation. You are going to... Uh, not be conformed to the ways of this world. You're not going to look like the world. You're going to be different, holy, set apart. But it's not going to be of your own works and of your own merit, but it's going to be out of the holiness and the power of Jesus Christ so that we can only boast in him. That is where the power comes from, is through him alone. Don't look to yourself and be a law unto yourself and become lawless just so you can look like the world because you're afraid of what other people think. Don't try to add to your salvation and become legalistic because you're afraid of what other Christians might think. Be so focused on what Jesus thinks about you. Be so focused on what Jesus and his word says about how we are to live. And know that the ability to be able to live a holy life, to be able to live a set-apart life, that can't come from you. That can only come from the transformation through that deep abiding relationship with Jesus. Well, I can't add to that summation because it was amazing. So all I'll say is this. Read John chapter 15, mm. the vine and the branches. That's really talking about abiding and, and then... Um, you get all the way down to uh, chapter 16, you'll see the purpose that the Lord has given for him telling us to abide. And with that, we bid you adieu, and we'll catch you on episode 38. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Catch you next time. Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ 
in an increasingly hostile culture. The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Podcast.